Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Prophetico. We're going to biblicate the bride tonight. I had some questions here just a little while ago, of course, about the eagle's wings, that time when we are regathered. Amen. And you really can't understand anything that's going on unless you, of course, read Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. It is uh, one of those chapters that has everything in it. Uh, He talks about the futuristic uh, branch that's going to be raised up. Now, you, of course, historically know that uh, of Jesus when he first was risen from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. Uh, So when you read this, you, of course, know that none of these things could be exclusively in a historical setting. Those things have already happened, but at the time the prophecy was delivered, This had not happened to the people Israel. Not happened. So, when you hear a shepherd, and this chapter actually talks about those shepherds, when you hear a shepherd talk about this, and say that, well, Jesus fulfilled that, no, he didn't, uh, because the children had not been gathered back to their place yet. They had not taken part in the final Operation Eagle's Wings. But uh, this is what they'll immediately say, that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy when that is absolutely and unequivocally untrue. Uh, The temple had not even been destroyed yet. That destruction took place in 70 AD. So how could Christ possibly have fulfilled this? No way. Uh, So this is coming in what is to come. But you're going to hear a lot about uh, the uh, shepherds and, uh, well bad prophets and the whole nine yards right here. But he's going to give you everything in a very, very short data burst. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 is really like a flash drive version of what you need to know. Um, And we're going to start this uh, by the way that Jesus uh, put it himself. You have to remember that Israel was going to include the whole planet. Uh... The Jews had already lost their place of preeminence um, with everything that uh, they had repeatedly done over and over and over and over. And uh, God already had designed for all of his children to enter into the promise. So that had to include uh, you know, white people, yellow people, brown people. Everybody had to be included in that. So... Uh, He's about ready to tell you. Like I said, this is a flash drive version of what is to come, uh, this entire thing. So we're going to read it tonight out of the New American Standard Bible. 
Uh, it is a little lengthy, and it's divided up three or four ways. It's, of course, exactly 40 verses, and I wonder why that is. <laughs> this is one of the wonders of biblical mechanics. Uh, there's, of course, uh, differentiations here between the Hebrew and the Greek code because they have different things to relate to you. Uh, there is different uh, quantas of information that needs to be uh, relayed. Now, normally I let everybody know that you have uh, a different stratas of data, but just let's just look at it this way. Whenever we read this text, you're going to get multiple data streams. You're going to get a technical data stream. You're going to get a prophetic data stream. You're going to get uh, the two main flavors of data. You're going to get qualitative data, okay? And you're also going to get quantitative data, two types of uh, data in the scientific realm. You have to realize that quantitative data either comes in continuous or discrete forms. Uh, you can actually look that up in the dictionary if you uh, so choose. Now, qualitative data, it comes in binomial, nomial, or ordinal data. Okay? We're just getting started. All right? And you have to break those into two separate binary codes. Tonight, we're only going to talk really about the Hebrew. Uh, so we're only getting one side of that binary code but just take note that really you're talking about, at the very minimum, five different types of data strata that God is going to stream to you via Jeremiah chapter 23. So when you realize that, uh, first and foremost, uh, most of the data that we're going to cover here, nobody else is going to cover it with you. Uh, they're going to try to obscure it and obfuscate it. Uh, this is actually uh, the twofold binary purpose of everything that is bad. So please take note of the bad shepherds. They will, of course, uh, try to obscure the data. And the bad prophets will try to obfuscate that data. But when you make the determination of which manuscripts you should be looking at, of course, they are divided right down the middle, and that kingdom cannot stand. It literally falls apart. So I just told you a little bit here. You can expect to hear about the branch, but just take note. This cannot be speaking of Jesus at his resurrection. It can't be, because Israel had not even been rescattered yet. So it cannot be talking about that. And it's really funny once you just think about that and realize that. Now, now wait a minute. How could it be Jesus if the temple hadn't even been destroyed yet? <laughs> uh, they hadn't been scattered to the nations. Uh, Titus had not smashed him like a hammer yet. Um, they could still you know, uh, speak Hebrew and all that. Uh, Hebrew was still a language at this point. It wasn't until after... Uh, the events, the event horizon of 70 AD that even Hebrew was dead. God used Titus to smash them. So once you realize that, this all becomes a joke. What 
the shepherds and the prophets uh, today uh, that are in the negative form are telling uh, the flock. It, it becomes a joke when you just think about it in those terms. But anyway, let us uh, read about Operation Eagle's Wings. Uh, good stuff, good 40 verses. Uh, I like to get it uh, both barrels square in the chest, point blank, blank range. That's why I like to get it. I like things condensed. I like it to be a punch. Uh, and I don't like to even have the time really to debate it, what it means in my mind. When it comes across like this, when you get a data stream like this, it takes your breath away. And you don't have time to sit there and say, well, why, you know, why did he say that? You don't have time. You just have to realize and accept, swallow it, what he did just say. It's not till after you get your breath back that you have to ask yourself, well, let me see. Why did he put it that way? He must be wanting to point me to other different stratas of data, which… Just just looking at this myself, I can see the wonders within it. It's just uh, – um, just the very first verse. Y you can't get away uh, from going to uh, Isaiah 56. you got to go to Zechariah. Uh, you wind up uh, – Jeremiah 10, of course, and chapter 50. It's just, it's just amazing where the data stream will take you of uh, this, this quanta of information is absolutely marvelous to me. And I really don't need the rest of the Bible. If you gave me Jeremiah chapter 23 and took my whole Bible from me, I could preach, repent for the kingdom of, is at hand straight from and exclusively from going as far all the way back to the Exodus, all the way straight to uh, the gospel message. It's all right here. It's all right here in these 40 verses. Uh, it is beautiful, uh, <laughs> not only in its time when it happened, uh, also when Christ came and done these things, his, his portion – Prophetically, being the branch, it, it's also wonderful to me that if I look at it too long, it hurts my eyes. It is so glorious. So let us for once just sit here and, and take a read of it and marvel after it, if you will, because everything that I've talked about, you're going to hear. It's going to echo here in these, these verses. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds who are tending my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away. You have not attended to them. Behold, I'm about to tend to you for the evil of your deeds declares the Lord. Let's stop for a bit of commentary right here. How many denominations are there? What happens if you preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? 
Riddle me this. What happens if I tell you, no, you ain't once saved, always saved? <laughs> you can forget that mess. Matter of fact, go to Romans chapter 5, and it's a whole lot more stringent than the Ten Commandments ever was. Of course, they're going to gnash their teeth at you and drive you out. They will revoke your membership. Verse 3, then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing declares the Lord. When could have that have possibly been fulfilled? Tell me. You know, I appreciate that. <coughs> I'm sorry, you can expect a lot of coughing uh, interruptions. Can you definitively tell me that um, if we're talking here about the state of Israel and the Israeli government... Do you think they feel safe with this brand new uh, nifty-difty iron dome? I assure you they are not safe because that's not what God just said. <laughs> he said when this event happens, oh no, they are completely and absolutely secure. From that point forward, not any longer giving you a temporal quanta. I assure you that the Israeli citizens are terrified right now. Especially with the recent appointments to their government. I mean, we have one gentleman that has said that the Palestinians in Israel should be beheaded. Okay? So they have due course to be very afraid at this point. Very afraid. So... These verses cannot be taken out of any historical context. It must be speaking of what is to come. And you'll take note, he says that I myself will gather them. No, this is not Jesus talking. This is God the Father talking. He's about to talk about Jesus in the very next verse. But we haven't quite got that far yet. Verse 5 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up for David, righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. You'll take note what that is, of course, in Hebrew. That is Zadok. In the plural form, of course. You do realize what God just did, don't you? If you had eyes that could see and realize that you could give no discourse off this verse right here, in English, I don't care what translation you're using, you could not do it. It doesn't cut it. Okay? When you realize what you're looking at there, 
This is most definitely uh, in the plural form. I mean, the English at least does that much for you. You realize that, well, he is prophetically telling me that his number is going to be increased. How is this branch going to become extenuated? How is it that this can have that suffix on there that it does, looking at it in the Hebrew, making it a first-person common plural? If you can't see what he's doing, it's because you're reading it in English. That's the only reason why you wouldn't be able to see what he's doing. He's literally telling you who, what, where, when, why. Now, like I said, the shepherds don't want you to know this. They will run around in circles trying to convince you that Revelation chapter 14 is talking about something else. They will lie to you about even the book of Obadiah when that is the reason why it was written. There is a group that is going to ascend Mount Zion, and they will be there with this branch. Making, of course, this branch plural. So, let's read a little bit more. Uh, about when these days are coming, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. Now, just take note. They have to say this now. You understand? So he's getting ready with two verses, verses 7 and 8 here, to blow it up in your brain. He's going to take this information and explode it across your frontal lobe, making sure that you know, oh, you'll know when this day comes. Because then the branch will come in the plural form, and you will call that ruling body righteousness, the sadok in the plural. Verse 8, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led back the descendants of the household of Israel from the northland and from all the countries where I have driven them, then they will live on their own soil. Okay, so he just made himself perfectly clear that what the shepherds tell you that he's talking about, no, they're lying. This event has absolutely not happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. Now we're going to talk about those who try to obfuscate this information. As for the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I've become like a drunken man, even like a man overcome with wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adultery. For the land mourns because of the curse. The pastures of the wilderness have dried up. Their course also is evil, and their might is not right. For both prophet and priest are polluted. Even in my house I have found their wickedness, declares the Lord.
Therefore, their way will be like slippery plaz to them. They will be driven away into the gloom and fall down in it. For I will bring calamity upon them the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. Lord, have mercy. If you didn't hear him just tell you that they were going to get kicked out into the outer darkness, we would have to question the physical status of your ears. Because you'd have to be pretty close to death if you didn't hear exactly what he meant. By the way, you might want to take a look at that quanta of time there. Here, of course, if you're reading it just out of the New American Standard Bible, he defines this as a year. Uh, they call that H8141. Um, but you might want to take a look at it because I assure you it's uh, important. Anyway, uh, verse 13. Moreover, among the prophets of Samaria, listen up, boys and girls, I saw an offensive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people, Israel, astray. Also among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery and walking in falsehood. And they strengthened the hands of evildoers, so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom, and their inhabitants like Gomorrah. Like I said, you know what they tell you. It's all right. Lie, cheat, and still just get saved and party on. That's what they tell you. That's what he just said. That's what he just said. Verse 15. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I'm going to feed them wormwood. And make them drink poisonous water. For... From the prophets of Jerusalem, pollution has gone forth into all the land. Now, I hope you realize that he was literally being quite literal. So now you can know that this is going to happen to them after Operation Eagle's Wings. They're, they're stuck in the outer darkness. They get to see Wormwood with their own two little bitty eyes. That's what he just said. I wonder why these exact same shepherds haven't told you this. I wonder why they haven't told you that. Why hasn't your preacher told you that? Good question, huh? Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you to fruitility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say, calamity will not come upon you. Oh my God, do you not realize what I just read? Do you not realize that this entire fantasy they have convinced you about 
You know the one I'm speaking of. You know what they tell you. You know that they tell you that Matthew 24 is a lie. You're not going to be here part of that. You're going to be promoted before even Abraham, for God's sakes. Don't you realize that's exactly prophetically and technically speaking what he just said in the Hebrew? It's just you've been reading it in English, so you can't see it. Now, he's going to say some very strange things about counsel. Okay, and you should know who he's talking about. 18. But who has stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should see and hear his word? Who has given heed to his word and listened? We just talked about them a few minutes ago. We just talked about that. Who's going to Mount Zion? He's pretty clear. Who's going to be with him? On Mount Zion, for a time, times, and a half time. He's told you what's going to happen when he erects this council in direct opposition of the bad council, which you know to be Mount Edom in the book of Obadiah. Behold, the storm of the Lord hath gone forth in wrath, even a whirling tempest. It will swirl down on the head of the wicked. Of course, the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. Verse 20. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried. I know that word in the Hebrew. Out the purposes of his heart in the last days. You will clearly understand it. Just like you've heard me say many, many times before. On that day, everybody gets to realize, uh-oh, we just messed up. Please hide us from the face of him who sitteth upon the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. He just told you about it. Don't worry. You'll figure it out when it happens. Verse 21. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them. But they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people. And I would have turned them back from their evil way, from the evil of their deeds. I am God who is near, declares the Lord, and not to God far off. Can man hide himself in hiding places? So I do not see him, declares the Lord. Don't you realize he is talking about the Holy Spirit here? You realize he was talking about men. This is an answer to the prophecy of Pentecost. Now all of us have the Holy Spirit, correct? Correct? So, them saying these things, that he is saying them, well, you should know that no, God didn't say those things. You see, because you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit since the event horizon of Pentecost. Let us move on. 
Can a man hide himself in hiding places? So I do not see him, declares the Lord. I mean, surely you've got to realize that he just told him, you're going to figure it out when I get back. When I impact Mount Paran, then you will know, and then you're going to try to hide yourselves. And then you know exactly what they do, what happens during the sixth seal event. What do they do? They cry out to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the yada, yada, yada. This is exactly what God's saying they're going to do. He's telling you beforehand exactly what they're going to do and why he's going to do it. Do I not feel the heavens and the earth? Letting you know point blank, God is telling you uh, he's here physically. It is his great day when he kicks us off of our axis of 23.4 degrees. He's just letting you know. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy falsely in my name, saying, I had a dream. I had a dream. Oh my goodness, they run around and they dream dreams. And not only will 59 days pass, oh my goodness, some of these jokers are working on 59 years and what they prophesied has not, and I assure you, will not come true. And of course, the Lord's verse, verse 26, the number of his name. How long? Is there anything in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy falsehood, even these prophets, of the deception of their own heart? You realize he's talking about the great deception, right? Or was I the first one to ever tell you that? That really don't matter. You probably don't believe it anyway. Verse 27, who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which they relate to one another. Just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal. The prophet who has a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. Did, did you understand what he just said? You might want to read that one again. What does straw have in common with green? Did that one confuse you? <laughs> Man, that was a perfect way to say that. I think I'll read that again. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which scatters the flock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Let, let's talk about this a little bit. How do they steal their words from each other? Oh my gosh, you've not been to a Baptist church and listened to the sermon and then went down the street the next Sunday to the Methodist church and – wait a minute, he's saying the same thing. Let's, let's go to the Presbyterians. Wait a minute, they're saying the exact same thing. They're saying I can do whatever I want to do and still go to heaven. Anyway.
Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting. Oh my goodness. The vomit that comes out of their voices. Yet I did not send them or command them, nor did they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. There's nothing I can say to them to get them to understand why they don't understand this chapter. I mean, I've, <laughs> you know, how many people with degrees have asked me this question? What on earth is Jeremiah 23 talking about? And it doesn't matter what I say. Verse 33. Now, when this people, or the prophet, or priest, ask you, saying, What is the oracle of the Lord? Then you will say to them, What oracle? The Lord declares, I will abandon you. You understand that I knew what that verse said before I read it. Then as for the prophet, the priest, or the people who say the oracle of the Lord, I will bring punishment upon that man and his household. Thus will each of you say to his neighbor and to his brother, What has the Lord answered? Or, What has the Lord spoken? For you will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord, because every man's own word has become the oracle. And you have perverted the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you will say to that prophet, what has the Lord answered you? And what has the Lord spoken? For if you say the orc of the Lord, surely thus says the Lord, because you have said this word, this oracle of the Lord, I have also sent to you, saying, you shall not say the oracle of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will surely forget you and cast you away from my presence. Once again, letting you know that he's coming to do this face to face. The great day of he who sitteth upon the throne is coming with a vengeance. Along with the city which I gave you and your fathers, I will put an everlasting reproach on you and an everlasting humiliation which will not be forgotten. Period. End of the matter. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we just got everything we needed to know. The reason why everything's going to happen, of course, and even the machinations as to how he's going to work all these things out. Pretty good stuff, really is. This is this is top-notch stuff. 
If you know what he's talking about, he just gave you the who, what, where, when, why of the great day of he was set upon the throne. He told you where you were going to go, and he said that right now that's been made desolate and yachty. He told you absolutely everything you needed to know. It, it is beautiful in my eyes, this chapter. I don't really need to know anything else. I know exactly what is to come from this point forward. I know that it is – he was set us upon the throne. It's going to crack this timeline right in two. He really doesn't care for my opinion, nor the other shepherds that he don't hold any value to. He just told you he himself is going to crack the timeline in two. He is going to alter it in every way, shape, and form. Of course, the only way this can happen is for him to tell you later on down the line that one-third of the day is struck and one-third of the night. He'd have to use both phrases to get it across, mechanically speaking. He just told you that your axial tilt's going to change. Your orbital velocity is going to change, and he just told you your RPMs are going to change. <laughs> you know how you're going to whirl? He just – he said that actually. <laughs> he actually just gave you some very important data here concerning that day, but that's more of a technical aspect of things. You just need to be well aware of why these lies are preeminent. You need to know why. You need to know why the only thing that the media talks about, only 36% of all believers believe. I mean, we might as well drag this out into the light. Only 36% of Christians believe in the pre-tribulational rapture, yet that's the only <laughs> theological topic that the mainstream media will cover. Do you ever wonder why that is? Of course, they dare not do a survey on once saved, always saved. Which contradicts all kinds of lists in the Bible for entering the kingdom of heaven. They won't start chat with a ten foot pole. Cause we're about down just to the number that he said with his own mouth. We're about down to that percentile. So if you really wanted to know what was to come, it was always right here in Jeremiah chapter twenty-three. And the Chapters relating to these events, like Isaiah chapter 40, he's pretty clear there about when he will gather his people unto himself. And it's then that he makes some off-the-chart statements too, letting you know full up front that you're not going to exactly be normal. But they don't believe that anyway, so… But I hope this helped you. I hope that all I really had to do was bring it to your attention that, by the way, this is a physical impossibility. It cannot be Christ because they hadn't even been scattered yet.
So how could that have been the branch he was talking about? Even though, <laughs> of course, those that are righteous will be an extenuation of him. No doubt about that. There's only one way they can meet that criteria, by the way. Only one way. So I hope you look at Jeremiah chapter 23 in a whole new light, because it contains everything that is to come. You could do a 59-day study exclusively on this chapter, going through, of course, if you caught the list that I gave you before, the five different data types. They're divided into two different types, but the five different data types… If you went through it completely in the Hebrew and completely in the Greek, you'd have so many details it would be absolute. At that point in time, after 59 days of complete biblification of Jeremiah chapter 23, what other people would say to you would be a joke from then on out. You, you could literally laugh them off the stage. You could literally say, hey man, you wasted your money. You need to go get a couple of more degrees. I, I don't think you should just spend four years at seminary. I think you need to spend you, I don't know, eight or twelve, maybe sixteen. Because what'll come out of their mouth is exactly what he just told you would come out of their mouth in Jeremiah chapter twenty three. It would stick out to you like a sore thumb. Stick out like a sore thumb. But it's amazing to me how many people won't take time in one chapter. I mean, they'll read this in English. They might look a couple of the cross-references if their Bible has cross-references, and that'll be it. They'll wander off into the dark, not having a clue that everything they need to know about why This day happens, but what happens after it? And then they will come and complain to me that they don't understand Jeremiah chapter 23. Of course you don't understand it. You never believed it to begin with. It's improper to <laughs> tell me that you don't understand it. But like I said, Jeremiah chapter 3 is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It can squash all of the misconceptions about end-time Bible prophecy in one fell swoop. Forty verses. Forty verses of good stuff. Well, I guess I better check the chat room, and people's probably sending me hate mail by now. Iron Johnny done left the chat. <laughs> uh oh, I must be in really big trouble. <laughs> I must be in really big trouble. Guess nine left the chat. <laughs> Girls, was I um, was I that bad? I, I guess I was that bad. Um, John Mark Gomez, what say you if you're done with your paperwork? What say you about Jeremiah chapter twenty three? If you're still on. Uh. I'm still on, but uh, 
honestly, I was doing a lot of the work and I couldn't hear a lot of what you were talking about. So, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is that awesome, is. man. That is awesome. <laughs> Did you hear that slam? He said I wouldn't, he said I was boring. He wasn't even listening to me. <laughs> hey, 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 nah, I didn't say that. I, I I was had to up. My, What's up? Had to do my work. Man. What's up? No, that's I'm going to okay. re-listen to it later, though. No, you won't. <laughs> I will. Hey, what's, uh, when's your next show, by the way? I was going to ask you. I don't know. Do you have a, probably do one do you have a maybe set? Maybe tomorrow or something. Oh, so you're going to do it tomorrow. Cool. Maybe. Or I, yeah. don't know, I don't really have a set one. I just kind of, whenever I can, um, and I'm not busy or tired or something, because I always have to look it up just to make sure it's, uh, it's proper, not just, uh, you know, I don't want to just be talking out the wahoo and saying something that I truly don't understand. So, yeah, I got to write some notes before I do it. So, or just for, for the people to even look up to, you know, just so they don't think I'm well, just yeah. talking out of my, yeah, I, I want them to know that I'm, what verses I'm referencing, if they, even if they'll never read it. So, yeah. Yep. Yep, I think that's yep. probably the, the one that takes the longest part, just writing the little notes. Yeah, I I agree with you. The writing it upon your heart takes the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to make it is notes. Crazy, if you're going to. Yeah. Yeah, but, it is crazy. Yeah, just the way I uh, the way I do it, I just I have a topic in mind, and then it just starts flowing. Like the whole notes that I did on the first show. It just flowed within like 15 minutes, and I just wrote all that, even if it was errors and stuff. I just flowed out real quick, and then I just talk about it. You know, that's that's one of the things that I don't get to do too much is just talk about it. You know, usually all people, you know, they want to know all the data. That's what they'll ask me about the data. I don't want to ever take the yeah. time to sit down and just talk about it. That's why I got to get you on one of my shows so we can just talk about it because that's what I love to do. I like to talk about <laughs> real life and how God is there everywhere. It's just, I don't know. You have your, your reason why you do yours and I have mine. I got to talk about the hard stuff and the stuff people just are completely ignorant to, and they don't even want to bother to read the Bible, but I'll show them how true it really is, because, man, it makes sense, and everything else really doesn't. And it was cool, because we were talking about it in our um, like our little study group yesterday. We were asking, how do you know what you believe is true? And it's not, uh, you know, compared to others on, how could you say, like, you know, they have their truths and I have mine. How do we know theirs isn't true and theirs, you know, mine is? I told him, I was like, it's simple. I believe in love. God is love, and, well, love moves things, and it gets things done rather than hate. So if you live the way God wants you to live, it'll uh, it'll move mountains. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. It's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about how, like, people are truly delusional, and they don't even notice. It's like the Matrix movies, you know, they're... Uh, they're in a delusion. They're in a in a false reality that they have no idea that it's even you know pulled over their eyes. But yeah, it truly is. They're in a system and they're stuck. And we need to uh, 
try and help and get some of them out that are questioning. That's one of the good things to do with just even Jeremiah chapter 23. Ask him to do the five W's. Ask him to look at it long enough to say, all right, who, what, where, when, why? If you can definitively answer those technical questions, it's at that same exact moment in time you'll realize exactly what he just said. Like I – I mean I've already pointed it out. This can't be in the past. The win can't be. Can't be. Um, God's never showed back up and with his own face gathered his people back since 70 AD. Sorry, that ain't happened. Hasn't happened. So just the win. So just – if you sat down with a piece of paper and study this chapter and answer those five questions definitively… You'll know exactly what he's talking about, and then all of a sudden you'll know what is to come. You know, but it's amazing, Matthew, the way God uh, – I can't say he hides it, but he puts little pieces of truth and even uh, other people's beliefs and their faiths, like uh, like the Hindus who believe that history repeats itself pretty much isochronal. I'm right. like, right. how do people right. not notice this? And if a Christian is not looking well, into these stuff because they're scared, then they can't witness to them, and it's sad. Well, they need to look into these things. Well, that is an integral part of why it is that each people group has its own psychology, and, and, and people just don't realize this, John, that you do realize that the Hindu people – you know, we're talking about a basic ethnic group in a particular part of the world, correct? Yep. Well, don't you realize that they are supposed to be an integral piece in this puzzle? They are a member of this particular body. Okay, So the things that you just said that they believe, if they become Christians, they will be able to insert this into the body, this strata of data. Now, let's take uh, – oh, let's take Muslims from Iran. Okay, Now, they have their particulars about eschatology and how the great fire of judgment is going to begin at the Kaaba and sweep over the whole world like a shockwave. Because they have a psychological makeup that's different from the people, the ethnic groups that are Hindus. And if they get together, both of them accept Christ, they are critical pieces to this puzzle because the psychology of the Eskimos, they don't have the psychology required to get all the pieces, you understand? Or the people in Nigeria. God has made their psychological makeup very special and very unique, and without that piece of the puzzle, this body is no good. You understand? Now, everybody knows what the Jews are good at, right? Everybody knows that Jews are good at finance, correct? What happened, Matthew? I just – sorry. Uh, I wasn't talking to one of my coworkers. We're going to have a meeting right now. Okay. All right. You can jump off here. That's cool. All right. I'll be. I'll have my headphones on, but yeah, I'll. I'll be back. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody knows what the Jews are good for, right? Finances, right? 
<laughs> right? Well, the Nigerians aren't any good at finances. So if you get a Jew and they get saved and you get a Nigerian and they get saved and you put those two people together, you've got a pretty good functioning working body as far as finances go. The one will balance the boat for the other. Don't you understand that? So you're supposed to go to the Nigerians or to the Eskimos or to the, you know, Samoans in hopes that you will get them saved because you should well be aware that whatever God has done to them physically and mechanically, your body needs. You ever met a Samoan? Speaking about Samoans, boy, we could use a whole lot of Samoans in the body of Christ right now. Their temperance is amazing. You can almost push them endlessly. Quite amazing, the Samoans. So, when you see the big picture, when you realize that all of these different people groups, God designed them for an explicit membership into his body. Now, you don't know what they are. You don't know if they're a, you know, the right thigh or the left thumb. You have no idea what they are, but your body cannot function perfectly without them. Make no mistakes about it. Which is a large part as to why this body is quite handicapped today. Quite lifeless, quite dead. More of a corpse than a Christian today. It's sad. But you're getting this everywhere in these end times. I mean, uh, you know, like I've I've talked about here uh, recently, you know, back when I was doing End Time Tribune, I, I had uh, pretty good... African American Bible scholar on now <laughs> now he's reduced himself to basically being a Nazi. He thinks that the Afro Americans are the master race. He thinks that they are the real body of Christ. I wish I wasn't telling the truth, but I am. I'm even a part of that group on the social networking site. I never put anything over there. I just watch them. Actually quite disturbing in what they have come to believe. Of course, I chased it back to the root. I figured out where it came from. didn't take me very long. They all smell the same, but anyway, it's all coming basically from one African-American preacher that hates God with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind. 
too bad. Nothing I can do about it. As a matter of fact, you heard exactly what they would say to me if I was to approach them because God himself told me what they would say in Jeremiah chapter 23. He told me what they would say and what they would do well up ahead of time. Well ahead of time. No point to go any further with that. So like I said, I got invited to this group, and I stayed, and I watch, and I pray. What else would you have me to do based on the data contained in Jeremiah chapter 23? I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry sometimes I have to preach. But I cannot stop it, as all of you have probably figured out by now. When he comes upon me, there's nothing I can do about it. I will speak as I have heard spoken. It's kind of amazing, really. Uh-oh. Johnny Iron is in the house. I got a feeling we're about to have some tremors. <laughs> yeah, he's probably he'd, he'd probably be on here yelling at me for preaching at you, too. But, hey... <laughs> Does not a boat have to have an anchor as well as a sail? Amen? <laughs> Amen. I'll be the first to renege that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but I hope that answered some questions everybody was having about Operation Eagle's Wings, about what to look for right before the event. He told you what was going to be going on. He told you exactly what he intended to do. He told you exactly that at the same time he's going to raise up the righteous branch that would be able to administer righteously. So he really gave you lots and lots and lots of technical data here concerning Operation Eagle's Wings, concerning this most future event that has not happened yet. A time when someone would be taken to be with the righteous branch. They would be in his presence. They would be gathered to him and be an extenuation of him. Absolutely amazing stuff here. Uh, but like I said, uh, one of the good chapters to go to to find out a lot more about, that, uh, about this situation is Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, it's full of uh, blockbuster stuff, just like this chapter was. All kinds of good stuff there. And it is a short 31 verses, but it ends with the eagle's wings. So, I got any volunteers to read it, Isaiah chapter 40, or shall I read it myself? Um, oh, I don't, nobody else is on here except JMG. So I guess I shall do it. Let's see, what did I read last time? I read uh, New American Standard Bible last time. 
Um, I think we'll read it uh, out of the King James Version. How about that? Everybody good with that? KJV this time? The promulgation of the gospel. Amen. Uh, Only the King James Version could say it like that. All right, we're going to hear once again about Zion, what's going to happen, uh, who's going to Zion. Well, everything. You're also going to have to pick up the simple fact that you're going to hear of an isochronal event evolving Elijah. Okay? And we just talked about this the other day. It's on my timeline if you want to look at it. The projected time of John the Baptist Elijah, yada, 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 is the last 150 days of those 1,290 days. So, (coughs) let's um, take a look at this. Um, Flip over there uh, really quick, and you're going to hear about – you're going to hear about well, like I said, Zion. You're going to hear about uh, waters and judgment and understanding – uh, he's going to make overt references likening the Holy Spirit to water. You're, you're going to hear that uh, there in, I think, the third or fourth stanza. I can't remember right off the top of my head. But, of course, you're going to hear uh, right off the bat what it's the second stanza there. We're going to hear about uh, this one that's going to come uh, from the wilderness. So you're going to hear this all again. So you should know what's happening here. This is This is coming as a comfort. So you should know that this has to come before his great and glorious day of he who sitteth upon the throne. This being in the context of Isaiah chapter 40. So you realize that this is why you're given those strange circumstances in the New Testament, book of Revelation, how it says that first she flees to the wilderness, and then, after that event, she gets taken to a place that's been prepared for her by God via Operation Eagle's Wings. So everybody should realize that you're going to see the one come in the wilderness before the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, before the sixth seal event, before Isaiah 24 takes place. So, uh, with that in mind, if you'd like to check out that timeline, uh, just uh, I don't know, Google, Profeco uh, timeline, you'll find it, I'm sure. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 in the KJV. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand, double for her sins. You have to realize that this is going directly to the book of Revelation when it calls Jerusalem, and it says figuratively Egypt and Sodom. So he just gave you a point on the timeline. A point on the timeline. He just told you about it. Anyway, uh, sorry I interrupted God's word. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be exalted, 
and every mountain and hill will be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the high places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now, you realize that was Matthew 24. All laid out. That was the sixth seal event in Revelation chapter 6 laid out for you. He lets you know that you were going to already be in the wilderness because you have fled there for some reason. Of course, we have all the reasons in detail in Matthew 24 as to why you're going to start fleeing into the wilderness. You're going to realize that you have to get away from the major metropolitan areas. You realize that one of these Sundays, you're going to go out from church, and it's going to be surrounded by Constantina wire, and you'll never leave that property. And if you do, it'll be by way of transport. They will load you either onto a boat or a boxcar or a bus. You should know this well in advance. But right here he's obviously taking an old wrinkly balloon and blowing it up. You see, ladies and gentlemen, he's talking about geology right here. He says that every mountain and hill will be made low, and the crooked will be made straight, and the rough places plain or smooth. Don't you realize what he just said? He said there's going to be an injective, massive amount of power into the core of this planet, and it will swell. And when it does, well, naturally speaking, all of the hills that's been gathered up, because they're due to the smashing of the tectonic plates, they're going to relax. So all the mountains are going to come crashing down. He just gave you a whole bunch of fantastic information. Anyway, I'm wanting to talk like a physicist instead of a child of God. So let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, I forgot to say this. This is also why the Sixth Seal event in Isaiah chapter 24 tells you that Lottie Dottie, everybody knows, because he just said verse 5. Okay, verse 6. Um, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the godliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. He just told you up ahead of time, if you were wondering how you're going to be sustained once you flee to the wilderness. He just told you. He just told you that the Holy Spirit that should already be in you, coming the time that you flee, of course. Well, he's trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that his wonders will come back to you. That's, that's what he's trying to tell you. He's trying to tell you that he'll take care of you. You're not supposed to worry about that crap. No such thing as a bug-out bag in the Word of God. 
no such thing as foolishness. However, I do advise you take duct tape. Let us move on to the preaching, shall we? Verse 9. O Zion, that brightest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. Now, let's take pause. What did he just tell you? He just told you that after this event, all the mountains are going to be made low. So why did he just call Zion? How is it to be gathered up to a mountain? Well, he's. you should know if you've read Revelation chapter 14. You should know if you've read the book of Obadiah. The authoritative structure is going to be taken up to heaven to Mount Zion. That is going to be, well, the mountain top-down style. Okay, so that's why he just said that. You're supposed to, well, you're supposed to get that. This points out Mount Zion to you, wording it in such a way that you realize, oh, that's the mountain in heaven. That's the seat of the Lord our God's authority. You're supposed to realize that. That that's when he takes them up there. Anyway, let's let's finish this verse. I'm rambling on. O Zion, that brightest good tidings, get thee up unto the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that brightest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. He said that very pointedly for a reason. Did you catch how the King James Version phrased that? I suggest you look at it. Now let's talk about the hollow of his hand, shall we? You should know what he's talking about, verse 12. Who hath measured the waters and the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Why is he talking about this when he just said he was going to straighten them all out? All the valleys would come up. All the straight, all the crooked places would be stretched into a straight line. But why is he talking about mountains again? Verse 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? You're supposed to know about your counselor. Verse 14. With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are a drop of a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And the Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for burnt offerings. All the nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. You do realize that he's telling you that he's going to count, of course, Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14, two separate groups, by the way, and he just told you that, actually. 
He kind of prophetically gave you the technical data that would be sufficient for your understanding to realize what he was counting. And you should know this. One of those groups... I'll hold my tongue. Verse 18. To him then will ye liken God. Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? The workman melteth a graved image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and cast a silver chain. He that is also impoverished, that hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. Now, just so you know, that's a direct reference back to what he just talked about Lebanon and what's supposed to be in the top of their branches. Remember the colored pretty little birds? Anyway. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretch out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. You, you do realize what he just said, right? Who are the inhabitants that's going to dwell in the heaven? Anyway, verse 23, that bringeth the princes to nothing, he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Okay, I wasn't going to say anything, but I already knew this verse was coming, so we're going to talk about it. You realize what he just told you, that there was going to be a group of inhabitants of the earth. That's going to be stretched out into the heavens, and that will bringeth the princess to nothing. You realize he's talking about the angelic princess here. And he said the other portion of those will be the judges of the earth that were vain. He just gave you both groups. That's numbered in Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14, verse 24. Ye, they have not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea. You realize what he's saying. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. Lord have mercy, can't you see what he's saying? And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall not wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. Don't you realize that he was just speaking about the Holy Spirit blowing upon them, right? No, 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 he just said he was going to do it with his own mouth. You realize what he meant by they shall not be planted. That they, he was telling you that of these two groups, one of them was not going to stay dead. That's what he just said, figuratively speaking. Now, who possibly could be likened unto him who sitteth on Mount Zion? Verse 25. To him then will ye liken me. Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? He said it in that phraseology for reason. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, 
by the greatness of his might, for he that is strong in power, not one faileth. He just told you again, this group was going to supplant the bad well powers. Verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Then he comes right out and tells you up front, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. And they shall walk and not grow faint. Now you understand why he used that phraseology, right? Why did he use those examples? Why would they be running or walking? Well, of course, they're fleeing. Did you catch that? But just take note. You're not going to get weary. Okay? You're not going to be faint this time. And that event is going to end with all these marvelous things happening to you. You're just told what happens after the book of Obadiah comes true. You will be taken by the eagle's wings to a place that's been prepared for you by God. Until that point, until that point, He's made himself perfectly clear. It's the Holy Spirit which will make sure that you don't fade or wither. So, I mean, what else is there to talk about? Um, this is just flat, ordinary good stuff. It's just, um, I mean, this, well, this is an amazing chapter. Once you have the depravity to come to grips to what it's talking to you right on in the face. It's amazing stuff. But anyway, let me check the time. I've been rambling on for quite some time. Ooh, hour and a half I've been rambling on. All right. Uh, let me check the chat room here real quick. Okay, looks like nothing crazy going on in the uh, chat room. I don't see any questions. I'm trying to scan up here. Topic first, hello. Okay, it looks like we're good so far. Nobody's really asked any questions. Uh, but anyway, uh, just take note that the two chapters here, just line up Jeremiah chapter 23 and get you a copy of Isaiah chapter 40, he's literally talking about the exact same things in the exact same moment in time. One gives you more information as to exactly the, the physical at, uh, atmosphere of what's going to happen, the dimensions of the earth. He gives you all kinds of that kind of technical data. In the other one, he gives you a different set of data, but you put the two together. and I mean, with these two sticks, 
because in both of them he made overt references to both groups, but you realize that he was overt in telling you that the group that will go to Mount Zion, uh, they will be established once you're taken to a place that's been prepared for you by God. And he leaves the other open-ended, letting you know that they've been left out in the darkness. There's only one way that the other group uh, can rise after they've been planted. They have to be resurrected. So you have to realize what he's telling you is there is a group that is the first fruit from the womb. The second group is the first fruit from the tomb. Two different groups, both of them numbered uh, magnificently. So... Uh, let's see. If there's not any questions, I guess we can go ahead and terminate the show. Nobody's on to pray, so I guess I'll pray myself. Um, I don't see any more questions. We've been on here for quite a while, so... Kind of strange. I don't see AOD anywhere, either. He never showed up. Which probably means he'll be mad at me, but I thought I posted it. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, please take a study of these two chapters and take them to heart if you're wanting to know of the event horizon for Operation Eagle's Wings. Uh, he really told you all the information that you needed to know. Um, I think we will pray tonight for... Uh, yeah. We'll pray for the body. That's what we're going to pray for. I'm back. Did now. somebody just? Oh, you are. You, you want to lead us out in prayer? Can you do that? Sure will. Yeah, give me one second. Let me go into a place where I have some quiet. All right, here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for another day that you've blessed us with and uh, another time for edify your body. Um, I ask that uh, you bless your children and uh, you continually draw those that are lost into your flock, Father. And um, I just pray that they're edified by this message and uh, they continue to search for your truth and uh, that it may be revealed in our Lord Jesus. And um, I pray that those are, that are um, sick and lost and hungry and just aching for uh, relief, Father, that you just bless them and relieve them of these pains and just... Just show them our Lord Jesus and uh, reveal it to them in their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, until next time, God bless. Godspeed. Good night, JMG. Later, Matthew. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.